Welcome to You Belong. I'm your host, author D. Michelle, encouraging you to remove that label, that title, that position, or even that social media status and focus on your kingdom status by knowing you belong to God first. And when God is first, that's when you can fit in even when you don't because you know you belong. Welcome to You Belong. I'm your host, author D. Michelle, and excited, excited, excited. I know I always say it, but today I especially am to have with me none other than Jonathan Pitts. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. It's good to be with you, D. Oh, thanks for being here. I'm excited um, for many, many reasons, but just let me introduce him briefly by saying he is indeed a girl dad. He is a father to Elena, Caitlin, Cameron, and Olivia. He is an author. He is executive pastor of Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee, but as special as all that is, he's no different than any other guest. He has to start out in the hot seat and tell us. Tell me, Jonathan, about a time where you really felt like you didn't belong. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going back a number of years. Um, uh, I was, let's say, recently married to my wife, Winter Pitts, and uh, we had grown up in Philadelphia or went to school in Philadelphia College, met, got married, uh, moved to New Jersey for a year where I grew up and then felt like uh, we felt like we had a call in our life from God to go to Texas randomly. Uh, She had an uncle there, a guy named Tony Evans, who Maybe many of your listeners would know the pastor, Dr. Tony Evans, and we would go for vacation and felt like we were supposed to be to go there, called to go there. And the reason we found out is because uh, Winter at the time was a grant writer and um, he needed the grant writer. We were there for, for vacation. He's like, hey, uh, what do you do? For, what do you do for a living? She's like, I'm a grant writer. He goes, I need a grant writer. So long story short, we went to, we prayed about it. And two months after praying about it as a new family, her and I and our, our new baby daughter, our first daughter. Uh, felt like we were called to go. So we went to Dallas. Um, the only family we had there was her family, which was this, they're a massively influential family in Dallas and really around the world, a ministry family. And Winter began working for them. And the minute we landed on the ground there, I felt like a fish out of water. I felt like, why am I here? And I, I we actually said, I, I committed, I, I had taken severance from, from my company. I was in pharmaceutical sales at the time. And had gotten this massive severance, which felt like a gift from God to just take some time to be with my daughter. And so between like watching my daughter and playing golf, um, I was trying to keep myself busy. And I'm, at the time I'm 20, uh, 24 years old, I think 25 years old. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, God, what am I doing with my life? Like I, I want to actually be in purpose. And I didn't want to go back into pharmaceutical sales at the time. And so anyway, it was a, it was a massive season of really me dealing with my own identity. Like, who am I? What do I want to do? Uh, do I have any value outside of what I do? You know, at the time when I was doing pharmaceutical sales, I didn't really enjoy it, uh, but at least it felt prestigious in a way, you know? And I remember wanting to be a school teacher and provide value that way, but then I'm like, they don't make enough money. And so I, di- I just <laughs> honestly didn't know who I was and what I was mm-hmm. called to do. And so there was just, uh, I, I was home for about six months before I got a job. I, I got a job with uh, Nielsen Media Research. <clears throat> You may not know the company, but the other yeah. company that does the, the TV ratings and yeah, decide absolutely. basically the cost for advertising on television. So I, I ended up getting a job with them and I worked from home and had a company car. It was actually a pretty good job where I began to actually find out who I was because it, the, the role was membership representative. And the thing I knew about myself is I liked working with people. I didn't really enjoy 
um, product as much as any, like I really just enjoyed people. And so I went into this role as a membership director with them, sorry, uh, uh, membership representative with them, where I began to just really nurture relationships with uh, the families that were in the sample. I literally would recruit families to the sample all across Texas. And then I would walk with them as they were in the sample, which is a big thing to explain, but basically just managing families in a, in a program. And uh, it would be at that point um, as well that I would actually begin um, uh, having a building a friendship with Anthony Evans Jr., who's Tony Evans' son, who's a yeah. singer, songwriter, worship leader, uh, contestant on The Voice season two, uh, number of years ago, and he and I would build friendship, but then I would actually start working with him. I start traveling with him on weekends and and I started managing his relationships and I became his manager. And so for <laughs> about about four years, I was with Nielsen. For about seven years, I managed Anthony. And um, we'd be growing a family this whole time. My wife and I would be growing our family together. We'd have three more daughters, uh, uh, Caitlin, our number two, and then we'd have these twins and um, Cameron and Olivia. And uh, seven years into that journey, I still felt like I didn't belong in some ways. And it was this massive journey of just trusting God with his purposes for me. And in 2012, seven years into that journey, um, Dr. Tony Evans, who I had worked with doing events with his son, Anthony, and who I'd, we'd gone to his church and had been investing our lives in their family. And they'd, be, they'd become family to me at that point. Um, I was starting to feel like I did belong, but I was, always felt like I still don't know what my purpose is fully. I feel like I've not gotten to that point. And he would come to me actually in the end of 2011 and say, hey, my wife, Lois, who's been running my ministry, the Urban Alternative, his national global ministry, she's been running it for the last uh, 30 years. Um, she's looking to retire. And I can't think of anybody to replace her that would, that would be a better fit than you. Would you be open to running the national ministry? And that was the moment where I realized what God had been doing all along in my uh -huh. life. Like he was preparing me for mm -hmm this position for this role that I now look back on. I, I served that role seven years and I look back on it as this pivotal moment in my life, in my career and in my calling Ephesians 2.10 where God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's called that, which he's prepared for us in advance. I felt like I was prepared for that work. I was prepared for that work in some ways, but before I could actually do it, I needed to wrestle through some of my things, in my identity. And all that time I felt like I didn't belong. God was working on who I was as a man. And uh, what was really beautiful is that was uh, 2012 to 2018 that I, that I held that role. And then I felt winter and I felt like together that like God was calling us to a new place, a new season. And we would actually, um, I'd be offered a role at a church called Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee. And together we would decide um, to take that role and for me to come lead in, in Nash the Nashville area at this family of churches living in the way of Jesus for the renewal of our city. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an awesome movement in the city of Nashville. And uh, we decided to come together and it was a big step to leave the Evans family and to have that conversation with Dr. Evans, because that had been my purpose up into that point. Um, and before I left, I felt like I finally belonged. And what's funny is I didn't feel like I actually really belonged all that long, but that was the reality of just having, it's like, I think the faith journey is just like trusting yeah. even when you don't feel like something is true, yep. that it actually is true. And it's really meaningful for me because it would be two weeks after we accepted that role in, um, in Tennessee, we bought our house, we moved into uh, our new home in Franklin, Tennessee. Two weeks after that, we'd be back in Dallas for me to finish up my last week of work with Dr. Evans and uh, my wife of 15 years and 27 days, my best friend, my girl's mom, uh, would quickly and suddenly, as fast as these words are coming out of my mouth, um, die in my arms of a, of a sudden heart. Um, it's called heart dysrhythmia. And my whole world changed. And our whole world changed. And 
it's it's hard to really describe uh, just trying to answer this one question but the reality is uh there's a there's a verse in acts says it's acts 13 36 it says david served the purposes of god for his generation and then he fell asleep and i look back on my life with winter i'm now in a new season that was two and a half years ago and i just see how even when i felt like i didn't belong in that season god was literally growing my family he was mm-hmm. growing my marriage he was growing my me as a dad as a uh as a leader and this this whole season of 14 years that i spent in dallas many of which i felt like i didn't belong and god was using it the whole time and um anyway i look back i look back on it with with great gratitude for even the earliest years and the hardest times so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's where I am today. Uh, I've been pastoring now, yeah, pastoring now almost three years here and um, actually stepping into um, a new relationship. I'm actually engaged to be married, which I haven't shared really publicly in many places. Yeah, thank you. And um, I'm really excited, but I'm also going into a season where I probably will feel like I don't necessarily belong again because everything's new. You know, you, you like there's always this newness, always seasons of starting over, always places where we probably feel like we don't belong. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing we like to pull out here on um, with guests is that everyone at some point in life has felt or is feeling like you don't belong. Mm-hmm. But as long as you stay rooted in Christ and renew your mind in Galatians 3, 26 through 29 and talk about, wait a minute, I'm a joint heir with mm. Christ. I belong to him. And no matter what happens, you know, whether position, title, location, or even if someone may be out of my life that mm-hmm. I thought would be there forever. I still belong him to him and he's got mm-hmm. me. And I think that's what you're doing with this new book, my winter season, seeing God's faithfulness in the wake of grief and facing grief. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, when winter passed away, obviously it was the darkest, most difficult season of my life to date and perfectly the darkest I'll ever have to face. Maybe not, but um Anyway, one of the beautiful things about my life and what God was doing is that he was in major, big, grand ways showing me how faithful he was. Um, So many stories, so many things that happened that showed me that God was not just like, obviously he allowed this thing to pass through his hands and I accepted that, but he was just blowing my mind with his provision, blowing my mind with his thoughtfulness around my situation and, um, and showing me how faithful he was in the shadow of grief, like in the darkest season of grief I had, he was showing himself to be faithful. And so the book itself is a collection of um, just stories and really a, a chronicle of the first two years of my life after losing winter. Uh, you know, her name was winter with a Y. So the book is my winter season with a Y seeing God's faithfulness in the shadow of grief. It's just a reminder to me and anybody else out there that God is there, that he actually is close to the brokenhearted. And that he does restore. And uh, the key verse for me, Psalm 30, uh, 34, 7, is the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. And so I look back on those years and the book describes all the different ways that God rescued me in a season of massive loss. And so it's just a fun way of telling the stories. And I actually wrote most of them because I, 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 I did not want to forget what God did. And um, so I, it's my joy to kind of share them with the world and for those that are grieving so that they might... Um, just look and see what God is doing. Because uh, Dr. Tony Evans says, um, if all you see is what you see, you'll never see all there is to be seen. If all you see is what you see, you'll never see all there is to be seen. Mm. And so I, my, my hope is that people can see past their grief, see past their circumstances, see past their challenges to what God's doing. Because oftentimes he's using those circumstances to refine them, to grow them, to position them. And um, that's just as true of death as it is of anything else, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is, as painful as it is. And so, uh, yeah, that's my winter season. Wow. 
and it's been two and a half years now. And I remember when it first happened, um, Winter, I think one of her last speaking engagements was with a former client of mine, American Heritage Girls. And we had planned it before and then I couldn't make the national conference. And then I was able to see her service and it was just, I was just in disbelief. Mm. And so I was like, how could, you know, at 38, someone so full of life and so much going on, you know, for girls like you, magazine, books, everything. And it seemed like she was on the, the cusp here. How do you, because I want you to help our audience, because now you sound, you know, you can tell you've been through your journey and the process you're like moving forward. Mm-hmm. But how do you help that person that can't seem to get past that anger with God mm-hmm. that seems like, God, we were just on the cusp? Um, what would you say to that person? Yeah, you know, it's hard to, to say anything to that person um, very specifically. I remember a lot of people saying things to me very specifically that in the moment weren't really helpful because I was where I was and it was hard for me to not be where I was. And so first I would just say, it's okay to be where you are. Like there's a whole range of emotions that we have around grief and that's loss of a loved one. That's loss of a job. That's loss of, loss, loss of any expectations. I would say that grief is dealing with the reality of lost expectations. Like we hope for one thing and something else happens. And I hope I would have hoped for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years with winter. And that wasn't God's plan. And so that the process of grief is dealing with lost expectation, anger being one of them. And so I would say, you know, like, you know, if you're walking in anger, anger wasn't a real massive um, emotion for me um, in that season, but it was for some of my girls. And so I had to watch them in their process and let them have their process because God actually uses that process. He used their emotions. You know, there, there, there's a verse that says, in your anger, do not sin. But it doesn't say, don't be angry. And so I would just say, be where you are. Yeah. Um, and all of us have a tendency to either um, either stay in the past or just launch ourselves into the future. And the reality is when you're grieving and when you're dealing with the loss of an expectation, the key is just to stay present to yourself, stay present where you are so that you actually can process the emotions that you are feeling and not numb them, not uh, move past them. Yeah. So if you have, if you're trying to stay in the past, you're probably going to numb those pains, numb those feelings. If you're trying to go to the future, you're probably going to just shove them down and they're going to come back. You have to deal with them. So I would just say, wherever you are, whatever you feel, be present to who you are, be present to where you are, open yourself up to God where you are. Cause God isn't in the past or is he in the future? I mean, he is in those places, but he's not there with us. He's with us in the present. So I would just say, say, show up, be present and bring God, you know, uh, Philippians says, be anxious for nothing. The Lord is near. Um, I would just say, know that he is near. He's nearer than you think he is. Mm -hmm. He's closer than you've ever imagined. And just, I would just say, open yourself up and invite him into that space, that place of anger, invite him in. He's not afraid of that. Like he Mm -hmm. created it. Like he, he created emotion. So like, I would say, invite him into that place with you and just be open to him changing it eventually giving you, you know, um, turning your morning or yeah, your morning into dancing and you're weeping into joy. Like he can do that. And he's done that in my life. I say, be present where you are and allow him to. And by the way, I was really bad at, I didn't stay in the past. I was, my, my thing was, all right, let's go. This happened. Let's move forward. Like I kind of tried to run into the future and God called me right back to the present. And it was really Mm -hmm. painful. It was Mm -hmm. hard to deal with. So yeah, that's what I'd say. Okay. So be present. I like that. Now talk about in the book, what was either the best moment that you couldn't wait to share with people in the book of seeing God's faithfulness or one of the most difficult moments where you're like, Hey, do I really want to print this in the book either? Or, um, would you share that? Yeah. I'll, I'll, first, I'll actually share both. The first is the one that I was really excited to share that I'm really grateful for because it's impacted not just me, but my entire family and a whole community of people 
is uh, my sister, Carmen, when, um, you know, when she passed away and we, our, our new home was in Nashville, she passed away in Dallas and our, all of our th stuff was there. I was planning to start this new job the next week and we weren't sure what we were going to do. And through a conversation with my oldest daughter, ironically, we decided to come. She's like, mommy wanted to go more than anybody. Like, why would we not go? Like, cause I could have kept my job and could have stayed. And that would have been the safe thing to do because we had family there. Well, anyway, the day I went to funeral, we'd already decided we're going to go. And I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to work out, but you got us. And I'm, I'm type A enough to feel bullish enough to just go, you know? And my sister Carmen said, John, I want you to know um, if you need me, the Lord already told me I'm supposed to come to help you. So just let me know if you need me. I'll make it happen. Carmen was single. She'd never been married. She was living in New Jersey at the time where I grew up and yeah. was working in a job and living life. And Carmen mm -hmm. basically said the Lord told her to give up her life to come serve my, wow. my girls. And so Carmen, uh, she said that two, it took me two weeks to accept it. I was like, I'll be fine. Everything's good. And I, I went home and I actually burned a chicken. Um, and I'm a pretty good cook, but I just was absent-minded and burned this chicken. My girls were laughing at me. I ran upstairs and kind of cried a few tears. I called Carmen and said, hey, Carmen, is that offer still on the table? It was mid-August of 2018. Mm. And by Labor Day weekend, uh, Carmen was on a plane. She had sold her car. She had broken a lease on the place she was at. And um, basically with three suitcases, flew to Nashville, moved in with her nieces who then barely knew her other than a couple of visits. And um, wow. the woman that was uh, Aunt Cece to them became just plain Cece. And for the last two and a half years, she has mothered them and she has been a surrogate to them and she has built respect with them and she has disciplined them and she has become not all that they need, but she has filled in so many gaps in their lives and mine and um, it's kind of crazy because, you know, I, I don't know how much longer I'll have Aunt Cece because our life's changing again. Her mm -hmm. life is changing again. But ultimately, she is a woman that has stepped in um, and filled a massive gap. She gives a whole nother, um, a whole nother picture of what being a single person looks like. You know, they talk about singles ministry. Yeah. Her singles ministry was lending herself to a family. And by the way, also becoming a part of one. And God used um, us to, to, to help her have family at the same time where she's been single. And so anyway, that's a, that's a, that's been a great joy. It was a great story to tell in the book because it's, it's been such a massive difference maker for us. Carmen actually has a master's degree in counseling. She's a, she's wow. only a, a certification, a test away from being a licensed counselor, which she's taken this summer. Um, but it's just really beautiful how God brought her in with experience yeah. and what it looks like to walk with people through trauma. And she's walked with us through a lot of trauma. And the other thing I would say, the hard story to tell um, in the book is actually just the, the the day that Winter passed away. I thought it was necessary. I thought it would be helpful. I thought it would make the book real in a way that most people kind of steer away from. And I picked up that book for the first time after it was printed, realizing I'd put that story in there. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did I did I make a mistake here? And I'm, I'm actually glad I did it now. I don't feel like I made a mistake. Um, mm -hmm. People say the thing they like about the book is it is real and it is yeah. telling a true story. Yeah, it does. And yeah, that was that was a hard thing to write. It was a hard mm -hmm. thing to live. It was a hard thing to write, and it's a hard thing to to read again. So yeah. Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I hope listeners are encouraged by what they've heard you share from even your belong journey and even how you've walked out healing in the wake of the loss of your wife. So, and congratulations on your engagement. Peace to be able to reach out to you um, for uh, either just a kind word to say, thank you, Jonathan, for sharing your story. Or you know what? Let's shout out Carmen, everybody right now to a single lady <laughs> who knows her purpose in God and that she belongs no matter what. Hallelujah. But also uh, to purchase your book and to support what you're doing in ministry and for girls like you, if you could just share all the different ways people can reach out. 
Yeah, they can uh, they can find me at jonathanpitts.net. Um, just to, that's really like a book page that shows more about the book, jonathanpitts.net. They can find out more about Winter's Ministry for Girls Like You, which I didn't even go into, but she built a whole beautiful ministry for girls, but for girlslikeyou.com. Um, and then they can find the book anywhere books are sold. It's Amazon. It's, you know, anywhere you can find books, you can find my winter season. And that's how to fit in even when you don't believe you belong. Thanks for listening in. Visit us on Instagram at Believe You Belong or go to our website, BelieveYouBelong.com. Share your own belong story. And don't forget to grab a copy of the upcoming book, You Belong, the 21-Day Workplace Devotional. Be blessed.